Hey everyone, I'm Debbie Roberts, owner and financial advisor at Property Apprentice. Join us today for the Week in Review, where I talk about current events for the everyday investor and home buyer. And I apologize for the fact that this is a little bit late. I've had a bit of a nasty head cold. So topics for this week, well, last week, to be fair, the first topic was from One News on the 5th of July. Kiwis nervous as mortgage interest rates go up. Second topic for this week in review from New Zealand Herald on the 3rd of July. Real Estate Institute warns tenants to beware of online rental scams. And third topic from RNZ, 3rd of July, sellers are ready to wait and see in an uncertain real estate market report. Topic number four from RNZ on the 3rd of July, Green's rental price control policy, Davidson rubbishes criticisms. Fifth topic for this week in review from News Hub on the 5th of July, New Zealand's housing market downswing continues to roll on, but worst is over for most areas, according to the latest report. So first up from One News on the 5th of July, Kiwis are nervous as mortgage interest rates go up. The delinquency rate for mortgages has reached 1.3%, marking the highest level since March 2020. This indicates that approximately 19,500 mortgage accounts are overdue. New mortgage lendings also declined by 27% compared to the previous year, as the housing market experiences a downturn. Homeowners who purchased during the pandemic are now facing the need to refix their loans, resulting in relatively high interest rates compared to earlier rates. The rise in interest rates is causing concern amongst some individuals. One woman expressed her thoughts, saying that she's considering going back to Switzerland because mortgages and the cost of living are too high here. Mortgage advisor Dawn Whiteside understands reactions like this, stating that there are a few people who are nervous as we see the highest interest rates in years. Data firm Centrix confirms that more people are facing difficulties in paying their mortgages, with 11.5% of all mortgages are in arrears at the moment. ASB recently raised its 12-month fixed rate at 7.25%, acknowledging the challenges posed by rising rates and the cost of living. The bank is actively engaging with customers to provide advice. Centrix highlights the contrasting economic situation in New Zealand, with some individuals managing well while others are struggling. Personal loans are also a significant concern, especially for those seeking short-term borrowing to bridge the financial gap. Although high interest rates help control inflation, they are posing difficulties for many New Zealanders. One positive aspect is the relatively low unemployment rate, which provides employed individuals with an opportunity to renegotiate debts and navigate challenging times. My advice to you is if you're coming up for a fixed rate review, get in touch with an independent mortgage advisor sooner rather than later so that they can help you plan for those increased costs. So if you need a good mortgage advisor, feel free to get in touch with Jean Andrews at my team. That's MI Team Limited. So you can email him through office at miteam.co.nz. The key message is not to ignore financial difficulties. Side's advice is not to bury your head in the sand. If you're struggling, talk to somebody because there are options out there that could work for you. McLaughlin, the managing director of Centrix, anticipates some easing of the situation later in the year. The Reserve Bank is expected to make another decision on interest rates this coming week on Wednesday. 
However, I'm not expecting the OCR to increase. So we're not likely to see increased interest rates because of an OCR announcement this week. Second topic for this week in review from New Zealand Herald on the 3rd of July. Real Estate Institute warns tenants to beware of online rental scams. I mean, as if New Zealand tenants don't have enough to worry about at the moment, right? The Real Estate Institute has issued a warning to tenants about the rise in online property fraud, urging them to be cautious. Recent cyber scams have affected the property management and online rental listing sector, prompting the Institute's cybersecurity partner to develop a safeguarding plan for individuals. In May, an Auckland property management company fell victim to a scam in which a fraudulent rental listing was duplicated and posted on a scammer's personal Facebook page. Unfortunately, a victim provided their personal information and bond payment to the scammer, believing them to be the landlord. It was only later that they realised that they'd been scammed. In April, the Herald reported a case in which a young Englishman allegedly took deposits from house hunters, providing them a tenancy before fleeing the country. Another incident involved a Northland couple who discovered a week before moving into their rental that the property was not actually available for rent. They'd found a Facebook page for rentals that allowed pets, posted about their requirements and received a message from someone claiming to have the perfect home for them. Scammers registered victims to view properties using contact information provided through property management company websites. The scammers then posed as the owners, offering separate deals and requesting immediate deposit payments. Fortunately, in one case, the victim's bank was able to reverse the payment before it was too late. A spokesperson for the impersonated property management company expressed disappointment, noting that scammers target vulnerable and desperate individuals who can least afford to lose money. The Real Estate Institute of New Zealand, REINZ, has been notified of other online scams, including one where scammers used a property management company's name and logo to email tenants about rental listings in a city where the company had no presence. REINZ emphasises the need for renters to be aware of the signs of scams and for property management companies to educate their staff on best practices when dealing with clients. Friendly Fishing, REINZ's cybersecurity awareness partner, offers advice for prospective tenants. Number one, verify the identity of the property manager or owner through independent research and official contact information. Number two, use official channels of communication such as property listing websites or official office numbers rather than social media platforms or personal email addresses. Three, be cautious of unusually low rent prices and compare them to the local market rates. Number four, avoid paying money up front, including security deposits and rent. Scrutinize email communications for legitimacy before taking any action. And number five, ensure all agreements are in writing and understand the terms and conditions before signing. Be cautious of scammers generating official tenancy agreements. If you'd like to learn more about investing in property, join me at one of our free events called How to Succeed with Property Investing in 2023. I'll discuss strategies for successful investing from my perspective as a financial advisor, available live online or in person. Check out propertyapprentice.co.nz for upcoming dates and register today. We don't sell property, so it's all about increasing your knowledge to reduce your risk. If you've already been to one of our free events and would like to find out more about how we can help you to reach your financial goals, 
You can also book a no-obligation phone call or meeting with my husband, Paul Roberts, via the website propertyapprentice.co.nz. Third topic for this week in review from RNZ on the 3rd of July, Sellers Ready to Wait and See an Uncertain Real Estate Market Report. According to a recent report from realestate.co.nz, home buyers are facing limited choices in the market. Listings have decreased by over 20% in the year ending June, marking the lowest number of listings in June since 2007. Despite the decline in listings, the report highlights an increase in online property searches, indicating continued interest in the market. Vanessa Williams, spokesperson for realestate.co.nz, suggests that the record low listings may be due to sellers being more cautious and observing market conditions amidst inflation and rising interest rates. She said the upcoming elections also contributing to uncertainty in the market with a potential release of pent-up supply expected later in the year. The average asking price on the realestate.co.nz website has decreased by 8.7% compared to a year ago, reaching just under $860,000. Asking prices have remained relatively stable since March, and the June price is 0.9% lower than May. While Auckland and Canterbury show signs of stabilisation, Central Otago and the Lakes District stand out with a 4.7% increase in the average asking price compared to last year, reaching $1.48 million. This region appears to have its own economic microclimate as demand remains high and buyers seem less affected by rising interest rates and household inflation. Additionally, the West Coast has experienced a 14.9% increase in the average asking price from a year ago, reaching $472,000. Fourth topic for this week in review from RNZ on the 3rd of July, Green's Rental Price Control Policy, Davidson Rubbish's Criticisms. Green Party co-leader Marima Davidson has dismissed criticisms of their new housing policy labelling claims of reduced housing supply and black market deals as baseless. The party's policy focuses on implementing rental price caps, minimum standards and introducing a renter's rights bill within the first 100 days of a new government. While the party frames the policy as a means to provide warm and safe homes as a human right, economists have expressed concerns. Infometrics principal economist Brad Olson warns that the policy may force some landlords out of the market and discourage improvements to rental properties, which is only going to make things worse for tenants. Property Investors Federation Vice President Peter Lewis highlights the struggle landlords already face with rising costs and believes that the policy will lead to many selling their properties, exacerbating the housing shortage and the rental property shortage, which is one of the reasons that we've got rents increasing to begin with albeit a rate than inflation. Davidson defends the policy, stating that the critics' claims of reduced housing stocks are unfounded. She emphasises that the policy draws from successful overseas models. Love to see which ones those are, because as far as I'm aware, none of the overseas models that have tried rent freezing or anything like that have actually worked and helped tenants. But anyway. Her, um, she says that the policy draws from overseas models and includes measures to incentivize increased housing supply. That makes sense. Increase the housing supply and that will help reduce the imbalance between demand and supply. Davidson also addresses concerns about black market deals attributing such issues to a lack of supply 
and highlighting the policy's focus on promoting more building. While opponents argue against landlords shouldering the entire cost burden, Davidson asserts that it's not acceptable for unhealthy homes to cause hospital admissions for thousands of children and families each year. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that this is the very reason that we have healthy home standards in New Zealand, which only apply to rental properties, not to family homes. So, you know, pick, you've already achieved that. And yes, there is a process before everyone's compliant, but I think you'll find that private landlords are well ahead of the game, especially when compared to Kayanga Ora properties, for example. And on another note, Private landlords cost the taxpayer absolutely nothing, which is something that we certainly can't say about Kayanga Ora properties. However, Davidson stops short of making the policy a bottom line in coalition negotiations, describing it as a high priority and urging supporters to vote green if they desire its implementation. Look, if, you know, if you're a tenant, seriously, think careful about who you're voting for because a lot of these policies are going to have no other option than to see an increase in rents. With price caps on rents, all that happens is that it kicks the can further down the road. So, you know, in between tenancies, rents will skyrocket because of the imbalance between supply and demand. You know, if anything, the government should be looking at ways to make things easier for private landlords since we make up about 85% of all of the rental property providers in this country. So they shouldn't be looking at us as being the enemy. We're actually the potential solution for this problem, not the cause of it. Geordie Rogers, president of Renters United, acknowledges that the policy may result in small-scale landlords being priced out of the market. Uh, let me just stop you there, Geordie. The majority of landlords in New Zealand are small-scale landlords. 78%, in fact, own one rental property. So, you know, what can I? It really ticks me off when I read things like this. But anyway, I'll try to keep the emotion out of it a little bit further. I'm likely to get more emotional and passionate about this the closer we get to the election, though. Just watch this space. And apologies if I offend any of you, but, you know, Rogers suggests that if these landlords sell, other landlords with available capital will step in, ensuring minimal impact on overall rental supply. I would suspect that that could be wishful thinking. The Greens Renters' Rights Bill includes various provisions such as 3% cap on annual rent increases or lower if inflation or wage growth is lower, a disclosure of previous rental amounts, to which purpose I'm not sure of what that would be, a rental warrant of fitness, which, you know, we've already got healthy homes, heating requirements already covered by healthy homes, a national landlord register. Okay, bring it on. I don't know of any responsible landlords that would be afraid of that. And also housing affordability targets. The policy also aims to address Māori land development barriers, expand the Fai Kaianga Ayaoranga program. I apologise if my pronunciation was rubbish. I was not taught how to speak Māori in school. I'd love to learn if I have the available time. In the meantime, I try my best. And introduce government-backed underwriting for community providers to build up to 2,000 additional homes per year, which I suspect is well below what we actually need, especially with increased migration the way that it is at the moment. Additionally, subsidies for council public housing would be extended, limiting tenants' contributions to a quarter of their income. 
which means that all taxpayers will be subsidising that even further. Fifth topic for this week in review from News Hub on the 5th of July, New Zealand's housing market downswing continues to roll on, but the worst is over for most areas. A recent report by CoreLogic highlights the ongoing decline in New Zealand's housing market, with property values experiencing an accelerated drop in June. According to CoreLogic's House Price Index, or HPI, property values across the country weakened by 1.2% in June, compared to a 0.7% decline in May. The decline in property prices was primarily driven by weaker figures in Auckland, which experienced a 3% drop in June. Four out of the six main centres in New Zealand recorded larger falls during the same period. CoreLogic notes that this decline has brought the national annual rate of change to 10.6% below the same time in 2022, compared to 10.2% in May. Nick Goodall, Head of Research at CoreLogic, points out that this acceleration reflects the impact of a prolonged and strong cycle of rate hikes as the affordability of mortgages continues to restrict demand. While the latest data may cast doubt on expectations that the housing downturn's already ended, the varying results across the country support the argument that a housing market trough is approaching. Although the average house value remains at 183,000 higher than pre-pandemic levels in March 2020, Goodall emphasises that the fall from the peak now exceeds $130,000, demonstrating the significant impact on the pandemic-induced growth upswing. Rather than focusing on pinpointing the exact timing of the market bottom, Goodall suggests assessing the key market drivers and recent changes to better gauge where the market is heading. He notes that the number of properties listed for sale has been weak throughout the year and is currently lower than the past three years. This, combined with increased property sales, has resulted in a reduction in the overall volume of properties on the market. Goodall explains that reduced supply, along with high net migration, increased confidence, looser credit requirements and near-peak interest rates on mortgages have all supported demand and set the stage for upcoming market changes. However, he doesn't anticipate a strong bounce back in prices due to stretched affordability resulting from high property values and interest rates compared to recent history. He expects the market to become more stable and balanced once the bottom is reached. The consistent trend in 2023 has been one of inconsistency, with the monthly rate of change fluctuating between dips and recoveries in back-to-back months. Goodall highlights the varying sales performance driven by different demand levels across price ranges, property types and cities. He concludes that while pockets of high demand and strong sales can be found, there are also properties that have struggled to sell and require price reductions. Nonetheless, it's generally believed that the worst of the downturn is over for most areas. Now, one thing that I think is also important to point out is that the house price index which is released by, uh, by CoreLogic, that's based on settlement dates, whereas the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand's house price index is based on sale and purchase data, so the date that the sale and purchase agreements are signed, which can be three months or more earlier than um, settlement date. So you know, if we're looking at the house price index report from Real Estate Institute of New Zealand, it's showing that you know the market has turned in a number of different areas, with some areas still showing a, a little bit more to go potentially, or at the bottom at the moment. So what we're seeing at Property Apprentice is clear signs that the market is turned, 
We're seeing more and more people registering for our free events, more people starting to become clients. You know, so yeah, if you'd like to unlock the opportunities in the property market, register for one of our free events. I'll give you more of my insights as an experienced property investor and a licensed financial advisor, including proven strategies and tips that can help you to maximize your returns and minimize risks. Our sessions are tailored to cater to all levels of learners. Whether you're a first home buyer or a seasoned investor, you'll learn something new during our free events. We also make an effort to answer any of your property-related questions. Visit our website at propertyapprentice.co.nz and register today. Join us and secure your spot. And I promise I'll try to be as apolitical as possible. I think at the moment, I'm just still a little bit sick. <laughs> Bye. I'm a little bit um, over it. But anyway, we'll see how we go with the next free event. If you'd like to book a no-obligation phone call or meeting with my husband, Paul Roberts, you can also do that through our website as well, which is propertyapprentice.co.nz. Thanks for listening. Music.